obviously we focus on uh, customer retention, social proof, and also uh, just in general improving customer experience when they're on the website. This is our strategy, let's say, to have a tool that, uh, let's say, replaces five different tools. So they don't have to download five different apps. I mean, it's very convenient to have everything under one dashboard. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. My talk today with Polina Kolikova is about GrowWave an all-in-one marketing platform for your e-commerce business. We spend the hour today touching on the key relationship between customers and sellers, while also discussing the relationship between the different products available within GrowWave. The advantage of several individual apps contained within one ecosystem is hard to ignore. We at Debutify certainly don't. So, have a listen, and a good think afterwards. Alina Kulikova, it is great to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing tonight? How are you feeling? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you? Not too bad. Had a, had a decent sleep. So, you know, those are always uh, something to be grateful for. It. I'm in an area where there's a lot, a lot of construction. So if my alarm clock doesn't get me, it will be the telltale signs of drilling. I, I, I lovingly refer to it as drilling season. Um, there was a couple of episodes. There was like a week of episodes where they were like shimmying up and down our balcony. And I'm like, please, not now. Please just come back in an hour. So that's how I'm doing. Other than that, I'm all right. Yeah, for me, it's just an evening. Uh, I had a long day of work and I had about uh, an hour long walk with my dog. Um, so, uh, by the way, I have a Labrador retriever. So she's good. And uh, uh, she ended up swimming uh, <laughs> in the lake out of nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a hectic evening for me. Did you have to go in and get her? Yeah. Uh, so, she sometimes behaves not well, but it's mm-hmm. same as any puppy. But yeah. it's fun. It's the it's the price we pay for unconditional love and affection. Yeah, yeah. I love animals, so I mean, if she barks during this uh, podcast, oh, sorry, I cannot do anything about it. Sometimes she wants to join in. No worries. Um, well, uh, where's case now? Maybe we'll ask to have her on camera for a second, just so that we can get a get a good look at that the cute pepper's face, but. No, so 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 far so good. So it's been a long day for you. So sit back, relax, and uh, let's just have ourselves a, a fun little chat about e-commerce and everything we can do to make other people's lives better. First question is: Tell us what you do and tell us what you're up to these days. So uh, shortly about me and the company that I work at. So uh, I work at GrowWave as a PR and content manager. Uh, mostly what I do is blogging or webinars or any kind of partnerships with uh, in another e-commerce uh, businesses or uh, Shopify apps. Also, I've done a lot of uh, articles for Shopify in the past, especially about app development and shortly about GrowWave. So it's uh, an app, a Shopify app. Uh, it's basically all-in-one app. We have over... Uh, let's say over five apps in one, which is pretty cool. Uh, I mean, if you compare us to other apps, they, let's say, have two or three features in it, or let's say there are other apps that have 40 plus features, but they're not as comprehensive. And uh, let's say uh, and they don't include such a lot of features in one. To have a loyalty program, reviews, wish list under one roof, it's pretty tough task to do for the development side and from actually like supporting an app and running an app on a merchant store. So it's pretty cool uh, what we do. Mm -hmm. And we'll we'll get more into, I I guess, what were the decisions behind which apps to focus on? Because it sounds like a lot of the motivation is to create somewhat of an ecosystem between the different services or the different features or apps or however we want to break it down. I would say mainly it's a grow is an app and then you have these different features, which are sub apps. It's, it's semantics. I'm not too concerned about that, but it's about the relationship between how each of these um, uh, work with one another and why that might influence which ones to add into it. Because if you're going for the idea of 
um, multi-featured apps, then that does open the doors to what other ideas are out there, what other uh, services could become available. So I am keen to ask about that, but I'm going to put a pin in that for now. What I want to know is about the origin of GrowWave and um, you know who started it and what problems were they identifying in the market at that time that they felt they needed to solve? So yeah, that's a great question. Actually, uh, in uh, 2014, uh, we have, uh, let's say, three founders. So back then, Eldar, uh, his brother Ermek, and uh, Eldar's wife uh, Munara, they saw that there is a need of, of an app that combines a lot of features in one. So let's say they, back then they were working on uh, another side project. It was related to IT, but not uh, related to e-commerce whatsoever. It was mostly related to, to creating separate apps or small projects uh, for IT companies or other businesses. And I mean, uh, it was doing well. It was profitable company. Uh, they had a lot of employees, but uh, they realized soon that it's pretty boring. Let's see, honestly. I mean, you can expect what's going to be in three months and six months and one year so, I mean, you are famous, let's say you're known, you have a brand, but you're not grown beyond that. So they wanted to explore a niche where there are no boundaries to grow. So there is a lim- limitless amount of merchants or customers you can have, or limitless amount of, like, let's say, revenue you can get p- per year. So that's when they started to study e-commerce especially Shopify, because back then uh, Shopify started to become more and more popular, especially among smaller businesses and medium-sized businesses. So they saw an opportunity that uh, you can actually quickly scale up on uh, Shopify. So that's when they started to develop an app. And by the way, we are in uh, located in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. So it's a pretty it's pretty interesting location uh, to have an IT company because everyone asks us, uh, "Where are you from? Are you from US or Australia or New Zealand?" So everyone expects all these countries, but when we say no, we are from Central Asia, actually, they're like, "Oh, that's quite uh, bizarre." I mean. Because for them, they cannot expect that their IT companies in in such small countries. This isn't going to reflect well on me at all. But this might be the first time that I had even heard of of Kyrgyzstan. To to, to, be, to be frank, like a couple of weeks ago, we had um, uh, Printful on, and uh, right as Purins, he was from uh, Latvia, and I had heard of Latvia, uh, but that was just because of an episode of Community where they have this underground. Pil- uh, blanket city and there's a lot of an independent spread going on the joke is it's so intricate that there's all these things happening on the inside so that was like a fluke to have heard of that country so one other thing that i suppose i would like to ask but we'll we'll pin this as well as if you later down the line you can tell us some interesting things about the nation because i would love to hear you know i i get to talk to a lot of people in europe i get to talk to a lot of people in the states a couple of canadians once in a while as a canadian myself that's always nice but i i'm just uh, amazed at the ability of the internet to allow all of these different, not just uh, countries and cultures, but also methodologies and different perspectives coming from different unique backgrounds and how even something um, as, you know, I say, I say small, but I say it respectfully can still have a massive influence on a lot of people. Kyrgyzstan is pretty small country. I mean, uh, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that uh, a lot of people don't know about it because it's quite small. Uh, but but what we are mostly known for is uh, mountains, beautiful sceneries, nature. Also, our country is quite uh, cheap to travel, especially known for backpackers from all over the world. Uh, we have clean air and uh, fresh water. Uh, we have mountain peaks with ice that brings freshest water. I mean... Actually, 90% of our country is just mountains, uh, if you think about it. Uh, just the capital and a few other cities and regions that are flat. The rest are um, pretty, let's say, pretty mountainous. I mean, some people live super high in the mountains all year round, and they don't know anything else. Also, we have a beautiful uh, lake, which is uh, one of, uh, I mean, maybe second or third highest salt lake in the world 
I mean, it, it's basically way high in the mountains and huge. It has waves. It's like similar to the sea. And it's like very popular in, in our country, especially during summer, you can swim there. Uh, there are a lot of resorts and also people from neighboring countries and even from U.S. or Canada, they travel to see this uh, beautiful lake. So it's pretty cool. I, I One of the things that I would like to ask about it as well, um, and this one is semi-relevant to uh, what we're talking about today as a whole, is also the... Um, really be able to provide um, internet access. Um, so you know, even here in Canada, we're, you know, we're, we're a large country. We're one-tenth the population of the USA, but you know, we're, 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 it's not our goal to compete with them. Uh, and even here, we do struggle with uh, providing adequate internet access. Toronto's pretty good, because Toronto's a world-class city. But as soon as we get further up north, you know, um, internet uh, does become uh, quite expensive and, and, and quite resource-intensive to maintain. And a lot of that actually has to do with the weather. Now, once you go the further up north you get, the more colder the nights end up being, even during the summertime. And so there's a lot of maintenance involved in keeping these things going. So has providing, you know, um, stable and internet access up to par, has that been a challenge for the nation as well? In the past few years, our internet connection really improved. I mean, uh, I can travel to, let's say, the lake I was talking about. Uh, we have remote Wi-Fi routers you can bring with you. And uh, during pandemic, especially when uh, we were working out of the office, more than a month I spent there and just working from from that Wi-Fi, which is not, let's say, connected to, to anything else, just like uh, catching some signals from uh, regular like cellular lines. And it was working perfectly. And actually it was working better there than in the city, so which is quite surprising. So I'm uh, definitely there are regions where internet connection is not great, but I would say that uh, we improved significantly over the years. And let's say major cities, or uh, they all have stable internet connections. And internet in our country is pretty cheap if you compare compared to US or Canada. I mean, uh, how much you, pay, oh, you like, compare a lot I mean, more than the internet. I can tell you that much. Phones, rent, <laughs> food. Yeah, but on average, I mean, you can spend uh, about twenty US dollars on uh, internet for your home. So it's about an average monthly rate, which I know is much higher for uh, Western world because I live myself and I paid for just my phone. Uh, let's say internet i paid over 50 or 60 us dollars back in us monthly is quite a lot yeah i i, I mean not to get too far in, into this side of it but i do think it's interesting to point out which is uh, some of it has to do with i guess demand and supply where uh, in order to maintain um, that high level of access to a densely populated part of the of the city in in the states or here in canada um, that ta- that's resource intensive. So yeah, if I if I'm if I'm going through the mountains and there's me and maybe like two other people uh, nearby, you don't have as many people taxing it. But over here, we have a lot in the, just in this apartment alone. We have maybe fifty to sixty people all doing something internet intensive, especially now because so many people are working at home. So I mean, just the, the whole uh, concept of uh, internet access and 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 re- and resource allocation is a is a fascinating subject, and. Um, one one part of this too that I also observed, and I'm wondering if you can speak to this, is also seeing how a a culture can have a more significant influence depending on what are their barriers and obstacles. And what I mean by that is, over here in Canada, it's not so hard to sell to the states. Some of that is just because I, you know, I, I I'm right next door, so I've had a great deal of exposure to to American culture. At, frankly, who hasn't. But there's also logistics to being able to start up a Shopify store here. And my guess is it was a lot more effective and efficient and more of a motivation to provide a service because a service isn't something so bound by cultural norms, right? You don't have to pick like a niche to and then figure out what part of the States uh, takes to that niche. What you can do is allow people to get tools that make that their jobs easier. So by providing a service, it allows a, a, a nation uh, such as Kyrgyzstan to have a, a worldwide influence. Let's say uh, 
if we compare our country to us i mean we we are far far be, far behind but uh in terms of uh, services or uh e-commerce or anything related to that we are still like quite far behind we are just seeing how all these things are just starting to grow or like just the seeds get planted right now uh because in terms of e-commerce uh, right now, you can only buy things through Instagram, which is popular, which is, I mean, you don't buy things through Instagram in other countries as much. Let's say, I mean, you don't have a, a, a shop that you just uh, text them via direct and say, hey, I want this thing. And then you negotiate and then they buy. Instead, in US, let's say you go uh, to the Instagram page, and then you click on the website link, and then they make a purchase. But for us, it's not like that. We are uh, quite far behind in e-commerce world. Uh, but interestingly, in the past year, we have a new marketplace called Valberries. It's uh, it actually comes from Russia, and it started to grow really rapidly we have it's similar like let's say amazon has a lot of pickup locations i mean you can get an item delivered to your home but also you can get it from some certain pickup location like like whole foods or others uh it's similar like that let's say it's a kind of albert is our amazon right now actually when i was leaving us i was actually almost crying how i'm going to leave without amazon prime <laughs> seriously i'm going to leave without one day delivery how and uh, i mean yeah it's pretty tough uh, but uh, what valberis did for our region they started to deliver much faster actually some items get delivered within 3 working days which is quite impressive for such a small country I don't know how they do that, how they ship items that fast, but they managed to do so. Yeah, I mean, if they're modeling off of the Amazon model, they recognize that Amazon wasn't profitable for a while. So the more important part is securing the resources, securing the supply lines. And then over time, as uh, demand increases and more people are attracted to the platform, the profitability expands laterally because then you have more sellers, more people willing to use it. You have somebody shipping uh, a couple of products well, it's still one vehicle, it's still one road. So by the time that there's enough people adapting to it, now they're, it's the same truck, same road, but now they have 100 products, now they have 1,000 products on it. So that I guess that's a model that I would imagine a lot of different companies are adapting, and Amazon has certainly led the way in that regard. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is, I mean, it rules the world right now. Uh, it's, it's almost everywhere, and uh, especially it's dominating in the U.S. And uh, in pandemic, in the COVID and pandemic in, in general, you can see how how they changed the way how they work completely uh, because supply and demand just went uh, like crazy once the lockdown started uh, and they had to manage and change a lot of things how they do business, especially with the, the merchant base who sell on Amazon. It's the company that we have to look at and uh, it's, it's the company that invents. Uh, a lot of things that uh, get adapted. So, I mean, similarly, uh, Shopify grew in the pandemic. Uh, we've seen a spike of new stores since like May 2020. Uh, of course, a lot of them had to, let's say, uh, they shut down because of, I mean, the fees started to add up and also they just didn't survive the pandemic, let's say the business but uh, even Shopify, you can see how it changed over over this period of time. Yeah, it's certainly expanding and growing. And to that same question, um, have you noticed uh, a comparable amount of growth and expansion within uh, within Growwave within that same uh, pandemic period? Yeah, I we uh, grew in our merchant base. Let's say more than double. So uh, let's say. Hmm. I cannot say exact number at the moment, but let's say uh, 50% of our merchants right now at the moment came from that time. So we were seeing, let's say, a thousand merchants adding up monthly uh, since May 2020. 
Uh, actually, our team had to allocate additional resources and um, team members, especially to cover night shifts, uh, especially for the support team, uh, because we had a huge number uh, of new customers coming in and the amount of new tickets uh, growing significantly every day. It's something very new. It's something that we weren't prepared for. And actually, most of the apps, I've noticed that uh, they also weren't prepared for this. Nobody were prepared that uh, such a large number of new merchants will just pop up out of nowhere. Just it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And and it's I guess it's uh, it's funny too to because you're saying that you have people that have to have to cover the night shifts because you have to imagine like it's nine thirty where you are right now. It's eleven thirty where I am in in, in Canada and in, in the states. You know, in like uh, in Los Angeles, they're three hours behind uh, us here in Canada. So there there are certainly some challenges there in having people at the ready to deal with uh, peak activity levels in in a completely uh, opposing side of the world. So it's, uh, certainly a lot of challenges. Uh, I want to get back to what we were talking about with the different products that you have. And I got the website open up. Um, the list here is so loyalty and rewards. There's reviews, wish list, social login, um, Instagram. And then, well, it says your integrations. And I'm not, uh, I didn't actually look into that one personally. So uh, that one, I, I apologize for not looking at earlier. So it seems to me that the ecosystem here is it's highly about um, customer retention. And it's about you know making sure that the customer is a, getting as good of an experience as as you can uh, supply, but also making sure that the customer becomes as much of a valuable asset to the seller as possible through social proof, through uh, activity. Tell us about, I guess, what was the, um, you know, what was this, the strategy here? And maybe there were, if, there, if possible, if there were products or services that were tried out and didn't quite fit, or if there's ones that you have in mind in the future or, you know, where you want to go from here, but uh, we definitely want to get into what uh, the products are available here and how they, and really how they work and the psychology behind them and all that good stuff. So, I mean, the strategy is simple. Uh, All we want to be is a useful all-in-one marketing app. So obviously we focus on uh, customer retention, social proof, and also uh, just in general improving customer experience when they're on the website. So let's say they come to the website, they log in, they create an account and uh, then they start adding things in the cart or maybe to the wish list if they're not ready to add it to the cart yet. But even if they leave the website with the cart with items in the cart, thanks to social login, they come back and the items are saved uh, for next purchase. And uh, there, are, there are a lot of things uh, to, let's say, increase sales. Not in terms of, uh, let's say, upselling or cross-selling or pushing sales, but more like um, reminding customers about the brand through automated emails uh, that they will receive if they have items in the wish list. Let's say they will get notification if the items are back in stock or out of stock. Or uh, in that way, merchant uh, can also track what items are in the people's wish list so they can also manage their their inventory better uh, which is pretty cool um, but uh, most important part of GrowWave and uh, let's say our strategy is loyalty and reviews uh, we believe that loyalty is I mean the main thing that creates engagement for for customers drives customer retention um, and in general improves customer lifetime value as well. Uh, We have a lot of features for that, let's say points, uh, gift cards, uh, VIP tiers, and lots of things. And uh, reviews are definitely important for uh, actually website to show up in uh, in Google rankings higher, let's say, because uh, reviews really improve uh, generally the SEO of the website because the Google will see that uh, people actually comment on that website, they leave reviews, they actually, so it's not like kind of a fake or some shady, let's say, website, but actually people buy from it, people leave reviews. So this website gets uh, higher rankings. And besides 
people trust it more. So this uh, this is our strategy, let's say, to have a tool that, uh, let's say, replaces five different tools. So they don't have to download five different apps. I mean, it's very convenient to have everything under one dashboard. Personally, I've worked uh, uh, in e-commerce in terms of I was a merchant myself. Uh, I helped to open up a business. And back then, it was in 2018. So back then, uh, I wasn't in GrowWave, and I didn't know about GrowWave. But uh, we used uh, other apps, and it was quite a headache to switch uh, between apps, uh, especially if you have wishlist app, then reviews app, then an app for loyalty it's a, it's a hustle i mean and all those payments they add up and uh, comes out a huge sum so the advantage that i had said earlier is that all of the apps uh, because they're all part of well, all the products are part of one app i'm the syntax i am i'm not happy with my syntax today i'm doing my best but anyways so the 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 products are all part of the same app and by being all together that there is more of a connective tissue between them so what would be the difference between let's just say for instance i install a uh, a review app from one company and then i install a loyalty and rewards app from another company they're not if maybe they'll get along maybe they're aware of each other maybe there will actually be some um some tangible um consumer activity between the two points whereas what i think is effective here is that there are a particular nodes or widgets or even uh, features that take advantage of the fact that all of the um, products are part of one app. So is there a, um, a like a more of like a direct re- causal relationship between somebody's activity and reviews and how that might turn into reward or how a wish list might um, be integrated with the Instagram? Uh, anything along those lines? Yeah, uh, basically uh, the benefit of having everything under one app is that there is a obviously one integration between everything it's all interconnected whereas you install an app a review app from one company a loyalty app from another let's say they're not gonna i mean they might integrate depends on which you install but most likely they'll not integrate well with each other so uh, sometimes it will cause clashes on the website clashes in discount codes uh, and customers will get confused most of the times so in our situation is that uh, because it's all one app, all the discounts are tracked. Let's say if you uh, leave a review, uh, if a customer leaves a review for uh, an item, uh, say T-shirt, and after a few days, they'll get an email notification. Hey, you bought this T-shirt. How do, you, do, how do you like it? How will you review it? And in email, actually in box, a person can just type a message without having to be redirected to anything else and just submit it. Uh, and it will get automatically published on the reviews and this person will automatically like get a reward. Uh, you can set up what kind of reward they will get. Let's say they will get a price discount, uh, coupon code or fixed amount, anything, or they will get points for that. So Actually, you can give points for leaving review or you can give a discount for leaving a review, which is all very connected. Same goes for wish list. I mean, if you share your wish list with your family, let's say via WhatsApp or uh, Facebook or any relevant uh, social network, a person will get points, uh, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, you can actually set up the ways uh how to do things and set up things and uh in terms of integration with uh, wish list or instagram i mean uh there's no like direct uh, integration between these two features but let's say a person goes on instagram feed on a merchant website so let's say we have an instagram app that provides you an instagram feed put out of your uh hashtags or your account or anything relevant they can click on items, they can shop, or they can add them to their wish list. Uh, so, which is pretty cool because we've seen uh, in countries like Malaysia, uh, we have a customer called Happy to You. So it's like a sure and accessories uh, store. And they say uh, 
more people buy from Instagram feed over clicking on collections of products. Because people just, uh, people are visual beings. Uh, we see a, an image that we like, we click on it. And especially if there is a button, shop it or buy it or add to bag, they'll click on it if they like it. So it's pretty cool. So with the uh, Instagram, um, just one thing that I want to clarify for my own sake is if it's, say, uh, just directly my own uh, brand's feed, or is it, say, I can identify hashtags that are, like if somebody else takes a photo of my product, for instance, and they and they post it and they tag the company, um, would I have access to um, uh, other people's uh, Instagram feed, or is it just my own Instagram feed that I'm in control of? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you, you can actually add... Uh images from your let's say customers uh if they add a certain hashtag let's say if they uh, add hashtag and uh, your brand or like uh, t-shirts 2021 and the company name or something it will get put out to your instagram feed on your website uh you can set up a gallery for it actually a separate gallery saying like what customers say about us or customer photos and you can actually do the same for certain products. You can have a separate gallery for a certain product. Let's say you have a, this particular shoes and you can bring all the pictures related to that, to this pair of shoes from Instagram. Yeah. And then one thing I would want to do too is on the product page in particular, I would also want the Instagram feed to be there. So then that way it counts. It's part of the social proof because I can have reviews, but then I can have photos of people who are using their product and and it's directly correlated with the product that I'm trying to sell. It gets to the point where the customers are doing the selling for me at a certain point. Because, you know, I, we can take nice photos and everything, but it's just not the same um, legitimacy as another human being not being paid by the company who, in fact, is giving the company money saying, look at this, this is great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite important to showcase uh, uh, social proof on your website and... Uh, it really helps to build a brand identity and trust and all these other things. And I mean, if we are talking about uh, content, user-generated content, uh, it's proven to be more effective rather than advertising or other like branded images because people like to see how things are in real life. Mm. Same goes for reviews, like people really like to see photo reviews uh, because they are more valuable than perhaps just a, a message and saying like, oh, it's a nice uh, dress and it fits well and came on time. No, people really want to see how it looks like in real life. And uh, by providing such features as uh, customers' content, like user-generated content on your website, you really build trust and uh, really, uh, I mean, you gain sales, you increase your income in the end. And, and that's good news too. And, you know, one thing that I hadn't really thought about until uh, our, our conversation today is how it's also, I would say, elevated the pressure on the sellers to promote a product that is visually what it's going to look like when they sell it. So if I can just draw a, a, a brief association with, say, well, I mean, in, in, in Instagram, I think initially it was very popular among uh, food culture uh, because people were taking photos of the of the restaurant meals that were delivered to their tables. And, and I don't know if there's like actual any tangible data to support this, but my my guess is that once people realized people were taking photos of what the product they had ordered it put the onus on them to make sure that it was as presentable. So if I'm going to see this meal in a commercial, it better be the same thing that I see when I show up in person. Because if not, I'm going to take a photo and say, Haha, this is what it really looks like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a good point because uh, it really shows the proof that uh, the product they receive is exactly what they see on a photo. Let's say a very known advertising uh let's say by McDonald's, uh, we see a beautiful burger, but in reality, it comes just like, uh, I don't know, it's not even close to the burger. So, I mean, it's like advertising, like uh, what you expect versus reality or same as, let's say, if you, it's a funny joke that goes around in our country, 
say if you order something from AliExpress and then what you expect and then reality, let's say you order, uh, I don't know, a pet bed that is huge and you see like a great Dane laying on it and then it comes like a, a, a dog bed for a hamster, let's say. But um, yeah, people better see uh, or for merchants, it's important to understand that the customers better see that what they get is a real product. Um, I mean, uh, to really showcase to customers that uh, they'll get what they expect to get. Uh, I've seen it's a common thing in um, Asian countries is they do live streams and showcasing the store and let's say, okay, this is the dress we have or, or show it on, on the models sometimes. So this can be effective, let's say, uh, because right now live streaming is very popular and if you want to grow your brand uh it's better to have this uh widget on your instagram always appearing that you're active as uh, our marketing professor said uh if you are not posting something in stories for 24 hours means you're not alive so uh that's how they say i mean if you want to be effective in social media marketing you better post as many things as possible and you can, and merchants can really utilize it to showcase their uh, inventory and uh, like what people can get. And and I think what, what another thing that it's done too is that it has opened up the, uh, the, the workforce for people who are really perfect for that role. Um, I remember a conversation that I had with a friend, uh, this was a number of years ago now, where I had said that one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of social media is the impermanence of it, where I'll do an Instagram story and, you know, I might put some effort into it and then it's just, and then it's just gone. And personally, I've always had a bit of an issue with that. You know, I've always wanted to make something that really sticks and tries to stay relevant as long as humanly possible. Whereas my friend was the complete opposite. She actually appreciated that things were impermanent and that she can do something and then it'd be gone in a day. And it was more about, it really being engaged in the moment and almost like almost Zen, like where, you know, when I, whatever I see on Instagram today is not going to be what I see tomorrow because that's life. Life changes on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, it's really about showing uh, and showing really different content because people really want to see different things every day. I mean, if they see the same videos, same stories, similar things, uh, I mean, or if they don't see anything, I mean, they get sick or they get bored. Uh, and I mean, life changes and uh, businesses can really utilize these tools to show how the business changes, let's say, or how they grow and showcasing their orders, how, uh, I mean, really use it to communicate with customers or potential customers. It's not about just selling on your uh, social media, uh, let's say, uh, it's, I, I always tell it's like about telling stories uh, or telling your story, your brand story. Uh, for example, uh, I've worked for different uh, social media agencies and uh, uh, we were developing any ideas or strategies for the social media and most of the time they just focus on selling 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 and then something interesting then selling selling and I'm like no you should uh, really do like 20% selling and the rest is engaging with your customers I mean even post a meme that's kind of fun I mean if I go through uh, stories and I see if there's something interesting like a meme or funny joke or funny video I always like stay on it just or, or sometimes react to it because it's fun uh, and especially the brands that utilize this uh, they're really successful I mean I've seen um, uh, an example uh, so I buy the subscription for my dog uh, it's a monthly box with toys and stuff. It's park box, very famous in uh, US and Canada. Actually, I read a study about it uh, and their social media engagement. And actually, most of their followers, surprisingly, they're not even dog owners. And actually, why is because the content is really interesting that they post. Uh, because who doesn't love puppies? I mean, everyone loves puppies. So 
the content that they post, uh, people love it. Especially in TikTok, they started to utilize it and grow on it. Uh, more and more, I see engagement content from them. Sure. So I, I was caught a little off guard. I might have uh, m- misheard. Now, <laughs> so like the the uh, the fans, the people engaged. That makes sense because there's a lot of. I mean, I I can be very happy just seeing images or videos of uh, of puppies and, and kittens and snakes. Um, and whereas with um, sorry, just but they weren't the customers, were they? Like, were the people who didn't even have a pet? They were ordering the boxes just so that maybe they would have uh, something no. to get. Okay, I, I they are the followers, like they follow okay, okay. the brand uh, on social media, and they're not even like let's say customers, or they don't even own a dog. But uh, actually, it's a great opportunity for the company to even uh, target those who don't have pets because they obviously have friends who have pets or they know somebody who has a pet. So they still aim to produce content for those people who are not dog owners or, I don't know, pet owners, but they can like showcase their brand to turn these people into, let's say, word of mouth marketing and say, hey, I saw this company. Maybe it's good for your dog. Uh, let's try it out. Or uh, let's say uh, we have a few friends uh, back in the US. They're crazy about my friend's dog. And actually on Christmas, they sent more gifts for for the dog than the friends. <laughs> because they <laughs> open, open boxes. It's all for the dog. Christmas sweater for the dog toys and shoes for the dog everything and they're saying like will you ever get something for us because and most of that it was like uh, bark box items or i don't know something from online stores like pet stores so i mean it's uh why would people buy it uh, or know about the sweater for a dog obviously it's social media or a presence of the company there so that's how people find it yeah it also just speaks to to the individual strength of certain niches so i mean the pet niche for instance is whether or not somebody is actively uh consuming or buying product everybody will love an animal in some way shape or form so that alone um just like you're saying it turns them into word, um, word of mouth customers uh, or word of mouth so that they can convert their friends into it so yeah it's really interesting to see the the strategy there and it really all just comes back to i mean really making people happy right showing them pictures or videos of, of animals and making them want to uh, uh be engaged and almost say thank you for you know, putting these little smiles on my face without the trouble of having to like pick up, you know, an animal's poop or fish him out of the lake like you had to. Yeah. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. So here's um, something that well, actually a number of things I've been wondering to be uh, to be quite honest with you about the uh, about the service here is there's there's two funnels um, occurring somewhat in tandem, I would argue. Uh, the first funnel is the consumer funnel. And then the second is actually, I would say, the merchant funnel in how they would over time adopt more of uh, a grow wave. Because I know that there's a different pricing plans, there's different structure to it. And the idea is as the business grows and, you know, it's I've, I've seen the strategy before. It's, it's proven effective as the business grows. It's logical to then take on higher plans to then be able to use more of the products and services more like use them more effectively. Right. We don't want to, like, go go ham right away and then end up really kind of like uh, losing losing money so if it's possible to actually like you know speak to both of them at the same time that would be great but that's to me i would if i were in your position i would um uh, be perplexed by that so i'm not gonna like force that or anything but first thing i want to know really to start this off is um how am i getting those first customers those first possible um, loyal customers, you know, the first hero customers, like even it comes down to which product in particular, um, out of all of Grove Waves options would be effective initially. And then if you can speak to how that would funnel customers, you know, like, should you start with a loyalty program? You know what I mean? Like what would be a good time to integrate the different products depending on the, um, progress of the store itself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so you, you probably know that, uh, we have like three plans, 
uh, not counting in a free plan because our loyalty program starts from a starter plan. So I mean, uh, the loyalty program and the starter plan, it's, uh, I mean, it's mostly points based. And in terms of a small business, I think it's a great opportunity to introduce a loyalty program to the uh, first customers because I mean, a points program, it's very simple to understand and uh, let's say control from a merchant side and uh, easy to understand for customers and I mean, they can keep track of their points and their progress and how they can redeem it. So it's very pretty obvious. Uh, and this is something that we recommend for the stores that are just starting. Let's say they, they, they want to have a first loyal customers, but they're not ready to commit to something higher or they are not that savvy yet to have a more, let's say, um, advanced features but in terms of a growth plan, there you will get uh, like a referral program, VIP tiers, and other uh, relevant like uh, free gift or something like that. Uh, uh, all these important features under this loyalty program. And it's, I mean, it's very comprehensive loyalty program already at this point. And uh, I would recommend it to any store that is already like more let's say established but still growing still uh, and already has some kind of customer base that is loyal but let's say customers they already know okay i get points i redeem it so what so at this point uh, customers they just want to see something more uh, or there is a need let's say i can see that in a bigger stores the churn rate gets higher the retention rates uh, like decrease. So to avoid that, uh, VIP tiers really help into engaging customers uh, because they will they will see their progress on the store depending how they earn and spend points. And they will see what kind of benefits they get with each tier as they progress. Actually in Growwave, you can create unlimited amount of VIP tiers, which is pretty cool compared to say other apps. Uh, I've seen some companies that uh, do the whole trailhead or trailblazer. So the customer actually like uh, make a purchase. They get, they go on that tier and then they have like up to 10 tiers, which is pretty cool. I mean, uh, for some, it's, it's a kind of similar to gamification. Uh, let's say you have levels that you go, not just tiers, but levels. And as you progress, and it's a great way to engage with the uh, customers that, let's say, uh, see that there's no value in points anymore. That way they'll see that, uh, okay, I'll get something cool next time I go up the tier or I'll get this discount up the tier. So it's it's really about retaining and engaging customers. And the referral program is obviously important for um, referring friends or all this word of mouth marketing. Uh, it's pretty simple to integrate. You just uh, put, uh, let's say you just enable it and it's all live on your store. You can actually have a dedicated a separate page for referrals. Uh, they get a link and they send it to their friends and the friends can purchase via this link. I mean, this way actually you can get uh, micro-influencers for your store, technically. Uh, your customers are technically the best advocates, I would say, and they can be your influencers for your brand. And with this program, like referral or affiliate program, uh, they get what they want, like discounts, or if they really love the product that they want to stick with the brand, but they just want things for free, they can just become ambassadors and let's say, uh, promote the brand. Yeah. I mean, I I'll say too, you know, I've been using uh, GoDaddy as my uh, web hosting service for probably 10 years now. So, uh, we have our annual call where, you know, they'll be like, say, how, how to Joseph, how are things doing? Um, and I just like crack my knuckles and go, all right, guys, I've been here for 10 years. What do you got for me? We do feel like we've, uh, we, we want some, uh, some, some extra love for all the love that we've given in return. So yeah, loyalty is the best way to reward your loyal customers. 
also engage them and do all these things. I mean, so they stick around with you longer. I mean, uh, you can talk about loyalty for like uh, and customer retention for hours and hours and hours because the amount of topics I've covered about loyalty and the amount of blog posts and articles I've written, it's never ending circle. It's going to be there. It's It's been there for over 50 years. It's going to be there and another. It's just about how, like, let's say brands uh, innovate around it because, I mean, everyone knows points or tiers. I mean, but what else you can do, how you can step up so you can create something customer-centric and uh, not not kind of one size fits all loyalty program, but uh, something that really, uh, something that's really personalized to uh, each particular customer. And you make a great point too, just about how loyalty can be one of the more nuanced subjects in e-commerce and how there's um, there's hours and hours and hours worth of conversation there. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the heightened connection between the customer and the business, if not the person running the business, because you have somebody who possibly even you know depends on their product um, if they're if they're purchasing it that much, and it's really become an integrated part of their life, and so. It, it, it reminds me of, you know, my own experience as a salesperson, you know, the more somebody bought from me, you know, the more compelled, but also it happened organically that I was to have more of a, a, a relationship with that person. It's like, you know, they email me back, this watch number five now, like, oh man, it's so good to see you. Come on over. We'll, we'll get you a cup of coffee. Of course, we have a cup of coffee to everybody who came in, but still, you know, just some of the, I, I felt the energy just organically within myself of gratitude that this customer was so in line with, uh, uh, with our business model. So I think a lot of that just has to do with, you know, we call them customers because that's you know, the agreed upon name, but they become elevated in the eyes of the seller. You know, they become ambassadors uh, they become friends. They may even become family at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, it's all about making connections, uh, building relationship with your customers and then the ambassadors and et cetera. I mean, uh, I, I, I've worked in e-commerce or like, uh, for a merchant, um, and actually, there are plenty of customers that I, I used to talk almost daily because they would just call me up and say, hey, how are you doing? How is your business doing? Are you have, having a sale anytime soon by any chance? I'm like, okay, you already have a family discount already. Uh, so, yeah, it's all about um, building connection with uh, your most loyal to not, let's not go to call them customers, but your most loyal people who trust your brand. Right. Now, so this was a different piece of information that I had, uh, that I learned prior. It wasn't on another episode, so um, or maybe I should have said that so our audience would dig through it. But anyways, one of the issues is depending on where the store is or where the brand is at their evolution or their career trajectory, um, the earlier it, it, on they are, the more challenging it might be to have the loyalty programs because the brand doesn't have that same kind of recognition. And, and what I'm seeing here is a, um, is a confrontation of that logic. I'm seeing quite the opposite, which is, you know, the loyalty program is really one of the first nodes, one of the first um, components to the evolution of using the software. So what can you say about what level a store should be at or what this, the brand should have in order to compel people to be a part of the loyalty program, especially early on when you know the gears have only just started spinning. I mean, uh, there is uh, definitely. I mean, if you just started and uh, you have zero orders and uh, let's say only one order, uh, it's kind of hard to uh, have a loyalty program in place. Mm, but on average, I would say uh, for a store that has already a decent amount of orders. I'm not gonna like specify an amount of them because it all depends on the business they're doing. Because a person, uh, a business can have a uh, five or six orders a month, but let's say each order costs like uh, like or like overall order values over like five hundred US dollars or something. Because there are such cases, let's say um, 
I've seen a lot of uh, people who are painters and they sell the artwork through Shopify uh, and each of, each of them costs a lot of money. Obviously, they're not going to make uh, so many sales in uh, in a month uh, comparable to if you sell T-shirts or shoes online. But uh, even at that point, if you have a little amount of orders, you still have to start building a relationship with your customers. Maybe not through loyalty yet, but let's say rewarding them for, for leaving reviews. Because uh, the first thing that you need to get as a business is to get reviews on your store up and running. Because if you don't have them, you don't have any like proof or that your business is legit. Um, and then on, once you see that there is a, a, a growing number of new orders or new customers coming in, so, and that's a great uh, moment to start to, uh, rewarding them for like coming back, especially if you have to look at uh, generally at repeat orders as well. If you see a lot of repeat orders, uh, it's probably a good time to start uh, working on your no on your loyalty program. I mean, if you are seeing just like one time buyers. I mean, I would recommend just uh, start with reviews and like uh, rewarding them for leaving review and let's say, or, or rewarding them on some certain activities uh, and then processing with the higher tiered up uh, loyalty program. Okay. And with this one, this question is a little bit more of a technical one, but one thing that I would consider doing for my own store, which um, you know, I am I am working on my own because I can only talk to so many people and not want to do one. I would want to retroactively reward people who had made a purchase prior, maybe before my rewards program was set up. So like if I, I would want to go through the previous orders and say, hey, uh, we've started this rewards program. Now we've seen that you've been loyal to us prior to. So we would like to give you some points just to get you started. Is that uh, actually there's still I guess it's a two in one question. One, is that a good idea? And two, is that something that I can uh, actually deploy within, say, GrowWave? Uh, first, yeah, I mean, uh, it's probably a good idea, but depends on how many people you have or how many orders you have uh, to go through. Uh, it's uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, work to do. But I mean, if you know a few customers in particular, and let's say you install GrowWave uh, or already have a GrowWave installed, they will be, uh, but not a loyalty program yet. Let's say you're just on a free plan or something. Through social logging, they will already have an account. And uh, once you add a loyalty program, you'll have an ability to manually add points for them, actually through settings. So definitely you can just email them, hey, I've launched a loyalty program and I know that you've been a customer for a while and you made et cetera or like X amount of orders uh, and I'll just give you uh, like 1,000 points from a start, just like that. I'll give you 1,000 points and you can decide what you want to do with it. Uh, so yeah, you can definitely do that with GrowWave. Um, I mean, we also have a lot of customers who just, migrated from another loyalty program and they wonder like, how is uh, my loyalty program gonna work with GrowWave loyalty program? It's pretty simple, like you can export and import data and will be aligned. And if there should be, if there are any mistakes, uh, you can always like switch it up. And uh, the, the ability that we give uh, to change the, uh, you can even change tiers of your customers if you have tier program. Terrific. Well, well, well great, great answer. I, uh, I appreciate that. And with that, we are just on the cusp of hitting an hour. Uh, I got I don't know about you, but this hour kind of flew by and yeah. maybe, maybe to you, it felt like it dragged on, but it's, it's been a long day for you. So I wouldn't blame you if you felt that way, but no, that's, it's pretty. It, it just flew by. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Um. So I. It, it's been great to talk. Um. To to talk to you today. And I guess I, if if you if you don't mind me giving like another five minutes, one other thing that I would just personally like to note too is because you mentioned here or there like what you were doing prior to working with it. So some of your prior experience in uh, in running your own store. I would just like to know a little bit more about your own uh, career path and what got you to this point, and then I'll let you go. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I always like to share about myself and my journey, but uh, starting um, 
let's say my career path started from very odd things. I was a photographer and I was starting to become a journalist. Then I switched up into advertising and PR. Uh, that was my uh, basically my bachelor's degree. But then uh, I went on a few internships and I was mostly focused on photography. And I was a photographer for F&B. And then uh, I was working for F&B. And then I realized that um, I wanted to uh, do my master's degree about marketing around it. I was studying in Dubai, and I mean, it's a very well-known city for also growing in, in, in e-commerce in general. So I got an internship at a subscription company called uh, Mama's Books, and uh, they actually on Shopify, and that's how I got into uh, e-commerce in general. So I was technically like an assistant merchant. I was helping uh, my boss to manage the store. Uh, then uh, it's it's been a while for it was lasting a while like uh, a few months and then I realized that I want to continue my master's in the U.S. So I moved to the U.S. and there my friend is like, oh I want to open my store. Can you help me? And I'm like, okay, cool. Which platform? She's like, oh Vix. And I'm like, oh no, you want to move to Shopify, you know? And then she's like, okay, fine, let's do it together. Then then. Uh, it's when we launched a store together. Uh, I was helping to set it up, running it for a bit. Then I got, I switched to another store for my friend, you know, like pandemic hit. And he's like, okay, I got to move my store online. And I'm like, oh. and he didn't even know that I used to work for that, uh, like in e-commerce in general. And then uh, basically I helped him out. And then I moved back to my country from US due to COVID, all these issues. Then I stumbled across GrowWave, um, like IT company, work based on Shopify, etc. And I'm like, okay, I know Shopify and I'll give it a try. And um, here I am uh, for the past, uh, let's say, uh, se- seven months, I've been working at GrowWave. It's funny that you and I are similar in that way and that we've both been with our companies respectively around that same amount of time because the pandemic was such a major shift for pretty much everybody. A lot of people ended up in a, in a different place than they were before. So uh, it's, a, it's a fun little parallel there. And, and with that, I, uh, again, thank you for your time and for your insights. There's definitely a lot of, um, uh, of great takeaways here for myself too. You know, I, I, I do this for the audience, but I do it for myself too, because uh, there's a lot that I I'm happy to learn in in this regard. So I usually like to give people a chance to say like there's any like final words, parting wisdom. If there's like a quote you like, stuff like that, you're welcome to share it. And then let the audience know how they can um, uh, you know get in touch. Maybe check out some of your content and check out the product in in of itself. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, I really enjoyed doing uh, such podcasts or little interviews because it's it's really great to get to know uh, new people. So, but uh, what I always say uh, to, let's say, brands is always try new things uh, and also always be customer centric because your customers is who you are and they define you. And uh, if we look at successful companies, uh, most of them are all around being customer centric uh, and I mean, in during pandemic, if if you are stored that is just starting, or I mean, we are still in pandemic and we will be there for a while, I guess. But if you are a starting store, I would recommend just not give up, obviously, and uh, just try your best because I mean, e-commerce is the next thing. Uh, more more and more people will shop online. And these people will actually go in store because we are in a new era right now. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know when this is going to happen, but I do think at some point the term e-commerce altogether will drop, and it'll just become enmeshed with commerce in general, and it'll just be, it'll just be a business. And so, you know, one of the things that I visualize about this show is that yeah, it's an e-commerce podcast, and we talk to people in the e-commerce space, but at its fundamental, it is a business podcast. And for that reason, I'm also fortunate to be able to talk to people in, you know, different parts, right? We got developers, we got uh, people uh, specializing in, in retail. Actually, interestingly, an, an, an episode that I think people should check, well, check out all of them. But one of them that comes to my mind right now was uh, uh, John Cristani, who 
uh, he had actually focused on using some more classic mediums like television. Um, we've had people talk about using postcards. So, you know, sooner or later, I think it really all will be one thing. But my prediction, if I'm right, it'll probably be later than sooner. It's still going to take some time. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but in terms of uh, what's going to happen in e-commerce or latest trends, I mean, you can check out some of my works on a great blog. Uh, we occasionally post there. I mean, uh, there is my LinkedIn. Maybe uh, the link will be added under this podcast. I mean, if you want to get in touch or talk to me, I'm always open or to, to give any suggestions to businesses. And about Grover, if you can just uh, click our homepage and just check out our uh, our company and what we do and what we have to offer for you. And uh, we, if you have any questions regarding our app or in general, you can just drop a message to um, our live chat there or just uh, uh, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I will also. All right. Fantastic. And, and with that, uh, one more uh, thank you for the roads to yourself and one thank you to our audience for their participation. Um, it, it's great to know that the value that I have been able to give for myself is also value that I can share with all of you. So to that, I say take care and we'll check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.